Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter number 5, verse 1 is where we're going to begin today. Remember that Paul is writing this letter to Timothy, his protege, who is at Ephesus. Uh, Paul is somewhere up in Macedonia to the north, uh, and it's post, uh, post his release from Roman detention. Uh, his imperial review went well, and so he's out here traveling around in the places where his uh, second and third missionary journeys occurred. And then I believe he'll head off to, uh, to Spain, as he'd intended uh, several years earlier. But he wants Timothy to strengthen the congregation of believers there at Ephesus. He wants, the, he wants Timothy to be a good preacher to them, a good evangelist to them. One of the things that he warns him about is here at the beginning of chapter number 5. He says, Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Now, earlier in the book, we were talking about elders in a more technical sense, the overseers of the congregation, the pastors of the congregation. I believe the use of the word elder here is the much more generic form. Now, in Jewish circles, it would appear that you were considered to be an elder person once you got past your 50th year of life. So Paul is saying, Timothy, who's probably in his mid-30s, Timothy, if you have to get tough with some of those gentlemen that are older than you, remember to do it as if they were your dad, as if they were somebody that you have great respect and concern for. So don't be jumping on top of them with both feet. Be polite and thoughtful. Uh, then he says, younger men, so that would be everybody in the 50s down, uh, so people that would be much more closely related in age to Timothy's own age, which I've told you, I believe is in his mid-30s. So younger men, you should encourage them as if they were your brothers. You know, your younger brothers, your older brothers, doesn't matter. They're still your brothers. Verse 2, older women, and that's the equivalent word uh, for elder, just in a feminine form here. So we're talking about the ladies that have graduated past that 50th year in life. So Older ladies, you encourage them as if they were your moms. So, again, the idea is, Timothy, you sometimes do have to be tough, but keep in mind that you're dealing with people that are part of your family and show the respect and concern and honor. And then younger women, as sisters in all purity... Timothy does not seem to be married. It appears to me that he has taken to heart Paul's encouragement that 
during this time in uh, church history, uh, you will be more effective and less restricted uh, in ministry if you remain single. Remember, Timothy, or Paul has taken that tact for himself and encouraged it in others. So he is going to be a 30-something-year-old man, and he will be dealing sometimes with women, both single and married, close to his own age. And so there may be some feelings and spark that could happen there. And so that's why he reminds him, when you treat with them, make sure that you maintain all purity, all this appropriateness. And this is definitely something that needs to be addressed with all of our preachers. Uh, gentlemen, it doesn't matter whether you're married or not married. You need to be careful in your dealings with those ladies in your sphere of influence. And I really, really, really advise you, don't ever be involved in a one-on-one -on -one counseling session away from everybody else with somebody uh, of the opposite gender uh, in your ministry. You need to take great precautions. Uh, make sure that you're never put into a temptation situation or even put into a situation where you might be suspected of having to give in to some sort of temptation. So advice to Timothy then becomes good advice to all of us that are in ministry positions. Verse number three, he's still talking about family relationships in the church here. Honor widows who are truly widows. Now, he'll explain what he means by that. If a widow has children or grandchildren, so she's lost her husband and she's got kids that are apparently older, they are out of the house, and might even have some grandkids that are older and of majority age. If a widow has children or grandchildren, let them, that's the kids and the grandkids, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. Now, as we will see as we continue in this text here, Paul is aware that in the church organization at Ephesus, ladies who have been widowed are at least some of them being cared for out of church funds. Now, if you do that for every widow, those church funds are going to be stressed. And so Paul, at the prompting of the Holy Spirit, says, listen, let's make sure that the widows that are being supported by church funding are really in the need of it. Because if they have majority-age children, or if they have majority-age grandchildren, those folks should be taking care of mom and grandma out of their pockets. 
uh, because that's the right way it's supposed to happen. Remember the great commandment uh, that applies to kids from the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and your mother. And this is not just simply showing them respect, but also making sure they're taken care of, that they're okay, that they're not starving to death or prone to exposure or ill or sick and not being cared for. That's the responsibility of the kids and the grandkids. So Paul says, if she's got kids and grandkids that know that's what they're supposed to be doing, then they need to be doing that instead of the church taking care of it, because that's the way God wants it. Now, verse 5, she who is truly a widow, left all alone, has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. When a lady is supported by the church and she still has great energy left, apparently these ladies were taking care of church-related activities, like praying for people. Uh, we see some examples previous to the establishment of the church. Uh, probably the best one is related to the infancy of Jesus. Uh, when Jesus shows up, uh, actually his parents bring him uh, in uh, Luke chapter 1 uh, to the, uh, the temple, excuse me, it's Luke uh, chapter 2. Uh, they bring him to the temple, and uh, things are being said uh, about him uh, by prophets like Simeon. Uh, there was also a lady by the name of Anna that shows up, and she's a prophetess, and she has been living in the temple compound and apparently supported out of temple uh, offerings for quite some time. And so she is there doing temple things, supporting and encouraging people, and since she is a prophetess, uh, even providing uh, God information to them. So that is apparently what Paul is thinking these ladies who are genuine widows being supported by the church are going to be engaged in. Uh, and the the contrast to that is the thing that he's concerned about. Verse number six, but she who is self-indulgent, that is somebody that's accepting the financial support from the church, but they're not focused on church stuff. They're not focused on God stuff. They're focused on self stuff. She who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. So she's basically just living off the church and doing whatever she feels like doing. And let's just be upfront and honest about this. In our benevolence, in our church benevolence, we set aside funds in pretty much all of our congregations, I'm sure, to help people out when they're having a tough time. But I am sure those of you who have been intimately involved in that sort of support structure have from time to time been very frustrated when you find out that the person that you helped really wasn't in need of the help. 
they were scamming the church. They were scamming the Lord's workers so that they could do whatever it is they wanted to do instead of what they were presenting as a dire need to the congregation. And so that is, I think, Paul's concern here, is it's one thing to support a widow lady that is still actively working for the Lord and supporting some lady that is a widow, mind you, but who is just being self-centered and taking the funds to do whatever she wants to do with them. So verse number seven, Paul now starts saying, this is what you got to do. Command these things as well so that they may be without reproach. So he says, I'm going to give you some very specific things, Timothy, because we want to be above board on this. And uh, I will tell you of my personal opinion, I think it would be good application to use these standards in the church today. Uh, Now, in some areas of Christendom, uh, there are ladies who are supported by the church to do church stuff, uh, and uh, sometimes they take the the phrase uh, being a nun, uh, and they they try to take care of things for the Lord out of church funding. But some of those ladies are very young. And Paul seems to teach against that idea, that that would not be the way to go in this topic. Uh, So Paul says, verse number eight, first of all, if anyone does not provide for his own relatives, especially for members of his own household, he's denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So that goes back to the idea if this lady, this widow, has adult children, and even more importantly, adult grandchildren, then that's who ought to be taking care of her physical needs. Um, If they don't, what's that about? Uh, If they're claiming to be Christians and they're not taking care of their own relative who is a Christian, then their Christianity is not it's not genuine. They're actually worse than and an unbeliever who is trying to take care of mom when dad is gone. Now he gets to the specifics. Verse number nine. Let a woman be enrolled. So now we find out there's some sort of official list. Let a woman be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age. Now, that's perhaps a little clumsy in our way of, of thinking, but uh, our way of expression, I should say. Uh, it's basically this. No one should be put on the widow's list unless they're over the age of 60. Now, why that age? We can only guess, but I would present this as a possibility. It is, in the culture of this day, it is very likely that they were still raising their minor children in their 50s because they had them 
when they were in their late 30s or mid-30s. And so they're still around being raised by the time they're in their 50s. And so Paul says they're still actively involved in being parents and maybe don't even have uh, any adult children just yet. So he says 60 is the cutoff point. But not just that. She shouldn't be on this list unless she's been the wife of one husband. Now, this is the exact phrasing that we saw in reference to the elders and the deacons back in chapter number three. And I told you at the time, it's clearly not about polygamy because polygamy was illegal in the Roman Empire. Uh, So the idea here is that she had a husband that she was devoted to. She hadn't cheated on him or anything like that. And then he dies. So that is what we seem to have in mind here, that she was a faithful wife. Verse number 10, having a reputation for good works. So she's already proved herself as a good Christian worker. Because after all, once she gets on this list, apparently she's going to be expected to do good Christian works on behalf of the church. Uh, If she has brought up children, uh, that is, the kids that she's had, she's, she's done a good job as a mom looking out for them, uh, and has shown hospitality. Uh, again, that's kind of, these things are kind of part of the qualifications or the qualities of our, our elders and deacons, uh, because these are demonstrations of a good character a good Christian attitude and mindset. Uh, They make sure that they are devoted to their spouse. They make sure that they're doing things God's way and for God and his people. They make sure that the kids that they're raising are taught the word of God and they're made to behave themselves. Uh, And he says, has shown hospitality, which means the care of strangers, the love of strangers. Uh, being concerned about strangers. So you're not all about taking advantage of those guys that don't know anything. You want to protect them. And so that would be a good quality uh, for someone that's going to be supported by the church to continue her good works. Uh, Has washed the feet of the saints. Now that's a nice way of expressing servanthood. Uh, the idea that she is thinking about other people ahead of herself, has cared for the afflicted. Again, another demonstration that she wants to do things for God. And so why should her uh, now losing her husband stop her from continuing in that sort of activity? Uh, Let the church support her and uh, keep that action going. Now, if she has kids or grandkids that can support her, that will allow her to keep this work up as well, and has devoted herself to every good work. Uh, Another lady I think of uh, whenever I'm thinking about the Bible examples here, I I would think about Tabitha or Dorcas, 
uh, in the story of Peter in the book of Acts, uh, how she was constantly doing good things for the people in her town uh, and in her church. And uh, when she died uh, and they were having her little funeral uh, service, they were showing Peter all the, the clothes, the things that she'd been making for people that were in need. And then, of course, Peter resurrects her from the dead and gives her a chance to do even more of that. So that's the type of lady that Paul is talking about here. You don't want those ladies to suddenly be, be unable to keep those jobs up, those works up, because her husband's died. You'd much rather that she could keep doing it. Now, verse 11, he has to get back to the idea of uh, uh, problem cases. Verse 11, refuse to enroll younger widows, and by the contextual definition here, he has in mind those in their 50s downward. Now, it's very obvious if they were like in their 20s and, and 30s, even into their 40s, as to why Paul would say, don't put them on the list. Uh, but even those in their 50s, if they're still raising minor kids, then their focus is probably going to be on getting remarried to someone roughly their same age uh, that wants to partner with them in finishing the raising of minor children. It might even be a Brady Bunch sort of, of situation where he's lost his wife, she's lost her husband, they both have kids that are still uh, not of majority age, and so they kind of team up and uh, raise those kids, those remaining years, uh, to serve the Lord. And uh, we actually saw that happen a lot in uh, history. We do genealogy, my wife and I, and from time to time you'll see marriages that are basically partnerships to raise minor kids together. All right, so refuse to enroll younger widows, for when their passions draw them away from Christ, they desire to marry. So they, they, they feel that desire to get back into a relationship again. And that poses a problem because of this, verse 12. And so incur condemnation for having abandoned their former faith. Now, this is not their faith to Jesus Christ, but rather uh, this is a commitment that apparently they made whenever they started receiving financial support from the church that they were not going to get married again, that they were going to give the rest of their life to service on behalf of the church. And Paul says, this is one of the reasons you should not be enrolling people into that sort of program until they are clearly able to make that sort of, of remainder of life commitment. It's going to only be about serving the church and Jesus Christ for the rest of my life, not about finding uh, someone to uh, finish growing old with. And uh, plus, you got a problem if they're getting funded. Verse 13, besides that, they learn to be idlers, going about from house to house, and not only idlers, 
but also gossips and busybodies saying what they should not. Now, Paul is probably drawing on some true-to-life stories that he's heard, that at least some of these people have taken advantage of the situation, and they're not doing anything other than stirring up trouble. And he says, we don't want that. So verse 14, I would have the younger widows marry, bear children if they're still in that age group, manage their households, so take care of of the business of raising those kids and being in partnership to the husband, and give the adversary no occasion to slander. Uh, For some have already strayed after Satan. So again, he's got in mind some very specific circumstances where some people were being supported by the church and had really set down a bad example. Verse 16, if any believing woman has relatives who are widows, let her care for them. Now that seems to think of a couple of generations of widows here. You know, the the younger woman uh, might still be very active in in bringing finances into her house. Uh, maybe her husband let her, left her very uh, well-situated financially, but her mom or maybe his mom uh, are now widowed and she needs to take care of that. Uh, let the church not be burdened so that it may care for those who are truly widows. And that's where he started in this in this context. He says, the church should only have to financially support those who have no other support structure. Because the importance is that the church gets everybody taken care of on the finances that are available in the best possible way to use those funds.